to the Wine Tech Insiders Podcast. Today, we have a whole new type of podcast. We're doing a deep dive into NFTs, and we have Simon Farr, our expert, um, who's going to uh, answer a bunch of questions, give us a lot more insight. Um, and along with Simon, we have our full slate of Wine Tech Insiders back. We have Nick from Wine Owners, Lori from Outshinery, Seb from Trolley, and Jonathan from Bottle Books. Um, hi, everyone. Hey, hey. Sorry, I just only gave Jonathan a chance to say hi there. But, um, you'll, you'll see everybody uh, in a second if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, if not, you'll hear from everyone soon. But first, we want to hear from Simon. Um, Simon, uh, just tell us about yourself um, and, and what you're doing in, in, in NFTs. Okay. Um, Okay, well, I started in, I'm an, actually, I started in wine nearly 50 years ago, amazingly enough, um, in Bordeaux, um, working in a, an unknown chateau, which is still unknown, um, probably due to my efforts or lack of them. And um, then after three years of doing that, so I learned about, I learned about wine from the ground up, as it were. Um, I came to London, worked with somebody developing a chain of stores in the, uh, early, the mid 70s. Um, then I started my own business, which was the first 24-7 champagne delivery service in London. Um, that really taught me about business. I then sold the business and um, I got involved uh, with the very, very beginnings of Majestic um, in, a, in a time before what most people considered was the beginning. Um, and it was rather short-lived because the guy who started it was um, basically defrauding the bank, so we had to shop him to the bank and went into receivership. But during that process, I kind of I wrote the strategy for the company and did the first sort of uh, development of the modern ware wine warehouse. And um, and I felt during that time that you know the my feeling with the problem with Majestic was it was trying to be too down, down market. So I came up with an idea, which I then took. Once we'd sort of, once Majestic been sold, I took to um, a guy called Chris Collins, who was one of the people who bid for Majestic, uh, and said, I got a better idea. And that idea was a company called Vivendum, which we started in 82. And then that went on for 35 years. And then after that, I, well, in fact, what, before we sold it, I bought out the, um, the uh, private wine, the private, uh, private client business and created a company called Crew. And crew is really the main focus in wine trading today um, for, for me. And that now has offices in various parts of the world um, and is growing at a reasonably um, fast lick. Uh, but essentially what it's been doing for the last nine years, which we've been doing, it is really sort of building a platform um, to try and sort of work our way iteratively through what we see as the sort of changing landscape for uh, fine wine trading. So that's really brings up to date. I'm also involved in production a bit. I've got a, I, with a partner, I have a winery in South Africa and, um, and then I'm a partner of Nick's in Wine Owners since the beginning um, and uh, a couple of other things. And so when did uh, the NFT world come, come on well, your radar? Essentially, I think, you know, the, you know, Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message, you know, and, and you know, I think the NFT thing is, is all is, you know, seems to be rather focused on the message. And, you know, it's sort of, whereas my sense is that it's, you know, the, it's, not a, it's not the product. And I think that this is the, so we focus, my, my interest is very much from the product point of view. It's, I, I think a lot of NFTs at the moment are kind of marketed and they're, they're sort of, they become a product of their, in themselves rather than the underlying asset. Um, which is quite convenient because it gives people an opportunity to kind of come in over and above the, the existing fine wine sort of boring analog world and, and, and give it a few shiny, you know, features that make it seem different. But whereas the reality is underlying, there is a, a bottle or a case of wine, um, you know, just as on analog as it ever was. And fundamentally, we've approached NFTs fundamentally from the provenance and the sort of smart contract uh, capabilities to improve provenance, to improve custody, to improve uh, traceability. Um, and I think that's to us is where the, you know, the, the real interest lies. 
I mean, the idea that, you know, champagne will sell for two and a half million or whatever the hell it is, to me is, is noise. Um, it's, you know, in the same way as, you know, you go on OpenSea and you'll see people with a lot of pixelated bottles, you know, done by a sommelier and they're tarted up by some pixel artist. You know, frankly, I don't see those in our future. And I think this is all a distraction. I think that, you know, I mean, it's all very interesting, but I think what's really interesting is the ability to, um, you know, create this immutable decentralized world for, um, for participants throughout the whole of the value chain to have some kind of equal access and equal control. But you were, you know, you did refer to, there was a bottle of champagne, um, Avenue Fach, 2017, that has become the world's most expensive yeah. champagne, 2.5 million. 2.5 million was paid in, in hard currency. So it did create no, value, I mean, although it, you know, it's confusing to people what that is or, or to many people, um, but obviously not to everybody. Well, what, you know, as Warren Buffett says, you prices, well, actually, I think it was Benjamin Graham said, you know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. I think it's, I think at the moment, people, there's a kind of FOMO, character I think which is sort of slightly um, creating a smoke screen um, because it's all terribly exciting um, but in the end I mean you, you do have to ask yourself what are you getting more than the bottle of this bottle of champagne which was there you know before it's not at all clear to me that there's that there's any real tangible added value I, I, I think it's interesting and you know um, but is it art or is it, is it is, does it make the champagne better? You know, um, I think what a lot of the NFTs that we're seeing in wine will struggle with, because we've really chopped this wood. I mean, we've spent a lot of time with a lot of people who really understand this, and I don't. I, I, you know, I have a, we have a Slack channel devoted to this, and I don't understand a word on it. I really don't. Um, I mean, all these guys are completely over my head. But <laughs> what we've realized is when you actually get down to the real world stuff, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to append a, an NFT to a box of wine is bloody difficult. So you did set up some kind of a, you set up a business around oh, in this area. We've got a whole, we, yeah, we, we, we've got a project on it. I mean, you know, which, you know, we've got, we've created a thing called Wine Trust, which is actually fundamentally where I think the heart of this all goes, which is self-custody, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea that once you buy, buy your case or bottle of wine from, from a merchant, you should be able to immediately have that, you know, transferred digitally and physically to an account which is completely separated from the merchant. So you have full traceability and custody. So we've, we've created a company, Wine Trust, to do that. We are, we've spent a lot of time and we have a whole division devoted to the development of the blockchain aspect of that, which we think is very much work in progress. And, I th and, and, uh, and we've yet to see anybody who's made it any more than that mm -hmm. uh, because there are some fundamental problems and, you know, fund and, you know, which is, you know, the fundamental problem at the moment is that uh, wine storage is rubbish. Um, you know, wine, you know, the, the identification, I mean, you know, Nick understands this because this is the world of pain he and his team living, you know, is to actually, you know, to, to be clear, you know, is that the case of wine I bought? Is that the case of Lafitte? You know, is it, was it in the condition that they said it was? You know, the fact of the matter is this is run, the wine warehousing business is run by, um, you know, people who haven't really left the, the age of Dickens. You know, got a, and in fact, the little bits of IT they've got is probably doing them more harm than good half the time. Um, I think we're, so I think we're a long way away from having, a slick back end, physical back end that will um, fulfill the the opportunity that is um, promised by the blockchain and and NFTs. So, do you see um, do you see storage or and third party storage or custodianship as being critical to the application of NFTs to? Um, um, you know, provenance and and um, um, sort of proof of ownership and all that sort of stuff. I think so, but you know, for example, if you if you if I now sell you a, a case of Lafitte with an you know as an with an NFT, 
um, you know, then you have an immutable contract, you know, on the blockchain. Um, you know, that case of why I might be sitting in LCB or, you know, or, or in Dartes in Bordeaux or wherever it was. Um, and then, at the, and then Dartes has a relationship with a code, with a, with a, you know, with a, with a, with an NFT code. Um, so, and if you suddenly sell that to your, your, you know, your colleague at, in the next desk, and you don't tell Dartes, who do they mm -hmm. send the rental invoice to? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And look, I think I think it's it's one of the greatest challenge. Nick, Nick, you mentioned storage. Uh, and I would return the question upside down and ask, we effectively need the entire industry to be contributing data to that blockchain in order to have a proper transparent traceability. And, right? and, and yet, if you ask, how do we suggest what? this takes place? Well, I was how do say, we get because if you want an NFT, I can print an NFT tomorrow and slap it on a bottle but that NFT carries absolutely no value unless it's been used and been tracked through different change of hands in the chain. Well, it depends on, it depends on the use case, number one. Uh, I think it's quite clear, having spoken to warehouse men, that they see their job in managing the uh, landing of wine and the identification of wine for outbounding as a future point in time as a big enough job in itself. And they really don't want to mm. have these other responsibilities laid on top of that. It's not kind of what they do, right? But it's not their responsibility. But ultimately, if the NFT gets supplied, gets assigned to the product at the warehouse, then we're basically saying the warehouse has an increased amount of work and having to verify the authenticity of that product oh, as opposed to having the producer and, and the, the previous players to actually the certify and, and trade in that NFT. So ultimately we want the producer, the winemaker to say, I certify, I generate X I, amount I, of I, 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 and that's I, how many liters I've made. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's responsibility of the warehouse to generate exactly. the NFT. It's the, it's, the, it's the responsibility of the producer to generate the NFT, yeah. but but, I mean, then ideally. Happens, but, the, but then what happens after that? So I bought, I bought, I bought a certain amount of cases of wine from a Burgundy producer called Reborsal. So interesting producer. They've just been bought by Buig, who owns Moros and you know own a French mm. mobile network and construction company, and presumably a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, they put NFT on the bottle. They put NFTs on their bottles, so that's exciting. I've now bought these bottles via two different um, uh, retailers, merchants. Yes, I have absolutely no connection with those NFTs presently, mm. um, and um, and I have no idea why the producer put the NFTs on the bottle. Did he put it on the bottle because he thinks his wines are going to be um, worth an awful lot of money in the future and he's trying to manage fraud or did he put nfts on the bottle because he sees nfts as a utility for connecting himself more directly with his end user consumer and he wants to provide it he wants to provide a whole swathe of of added benefits on top of the wine that you bought or does he want to partake in the downstream value of his wine if you decide to then trade it on. I have yeah. no idea the, the challenge what the answers that are NFT, to any of these questions. Currently, that NFT that you have on those bottles carries no value whatsoever because I could scan the same NFT, I could scan the same key, I could, I could say it's my key. Excuse me. But until <laughs> the chain the supply chain is able to record transactions of that NFT, then you can make as many copies as you want. The NFT will say, yes, it's a genuine wine. You just don't know that it's been issued you know, X number of times. So that's, that's where I think there's a bit of a challenge in, in the overall supply chain and needing to actually be part of it in order to say, yes, there is a traceability 
right? It's not just at the very end, here, here's the key attached to it. And we don't really know who the owner is because it's been purchased at random at a flea market or in a bottle shop. Until so, there's so, a recording of the change of hands event, that NFT carries no more value than strict marketing. So what, what's, the, um, what's the value chain for the participants within it, such as warehouses, in the, um, in the tasks that fall upon them, if there are any tasks that fall upon them? And look, the, the idea of blockchain and crypto at large is really to say, well, everyone who's contributing data or contributing value to the chain gets something back right so if you if you're a bitcoin miner you're not mining for free you're getting bitcoins as payments right so if a winemaker is taking the time to generate nft based on the product that they've done if a distributor if the the, the wholesale if the retailer is taking the time to implement the technology and scan and, imp and implement that, that traceability then they get something back by the chain they get some value back and it could be tokens of whatnot but they need to get some value of that traceability Currently, the only value we have is pure marketing and pure speculation. Yeah. What, what, and what's, my what's question, your... just to sort of a steer away from the tech side of it, my question back to Simon is, okay, we, I think we all identify that there is a pretty interesting use case for traceability of wine in the fine wine world. Right, I'm buying it a $5,000 bottle. I would kind of like to know that it's a genuine bottle, fair enough. If we look at the broader wine market today, what do you think, Simon, is the percentage of that market which really could benefit the traceability of, like what, what fraction of the market is a fine wine kind of a market that could use that NFT? Well, there's two questions. I think traceability is something that, I mean, in fact, the, the, you know, one of the most, um, established use cases for blockchain actually is the traceability of um, perishable goods in transport. Um, and the reality is that, you know, those smart contracts and blockchain, you know, carry the kind of data which is incredibly helpful to the analog world of, you know, fast retail and all the rest of it. So, you know, traceability is something which is applicable to everything. And, and to me, this is the key. The, the key is that this is you know, again, where I started by saying, you know, about the medium and the message and so on, the reality is people are trying, people are characterizing NFTs as their sort of a product. In, I mean, it's actually, unfortunately, it's rather dull. It's really a, it's, it's, it has, it has the potential to be a technology that can help to um, secure um, the whole integrity of the, of the supply chain and, 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 of, and of the value chain. Um, and to also add certain features and so on, which, you know, help to possibly to shorten the, the value chain, you know, allow producers to consume, to con communicate, you know, and have more of a partnership with end users and all the rest of it. So, but at the moment, um, the, the fact of the matter is that the wine world is, is, is the, you know, the wine as a product um, is extremely analog. Um, and what the NFT phenomena has kind of thrown up and put into sharp relief is the the is the extent to which it's um it's pretty behind the times um you know and you know nick knows very well because they you know wine owners is very much is very much in the vanguard of developing the kind of software that brings warehouses out of the 18th century sort of hopefully a quick pass through the 19th and 20th and, and have a fighting chance of being relevant in the 21st centuries mm -hmm. Um, you know, but that's kind of where we're at. And, um, and until, we, until we get the analog end of the wine business fit for purpose, um, you know, the NFTs are really a very little utility. I think what they're helping and, 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 do is to articulate an the, the what is the opportunity going forward. And I think that is, you know, and I think that that future will come. Uh, but I suspect it's going to take a lot longer than some of the people who are trying to sell you a two and a half million pound bottle of champagne thing. And look, I mean, there's a, there's a big question from a, a fine wine perspective as to, yeah. you know, how it is definitely applicable. If, if we want the technology to properly permeate through the industry, yes. we effectively need to confirm 
that there is a need for the transparency and that traceability at large. I think that's right. I think that's self. I think there there's there's clearly an issue with uh, provenance, you know, and traceability. You know, is it is it actually a bottle of Lafitte sixty one? You know, has it spent half its life in on you know you know freezing in a dock in Greenland and boiling in one in Singapore? You know, or has it sort of sat in the first warehouse it went to after having left the chateau? You know, those things are kind of important. And the more expensive that bottle of Lafitte is, the more that kind of becomes kind of necessary. Yeah. So can, a... can we can we estimate the number of, of bottles of wine being sold above $30 US? Then the amount is probably 1%. Well, I mean, we've got a... I don't know. I mean, you know, there are, you know, people bandy about numbers. We all use them in our sort of presentations, you know, somewhere between five and seven billion dollars of value. Don't know how many bottles that is. You, um, you yeah, know, so it's about you know universe is probably, you know, mm. uh, 10 times that. I don't know. You know, that there's, you know, it's big, but in terms of, but it's very different to the, 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 the you know, the, the bottom of that pyramid is a much bigger place. Um, so it's a very small part of it. Oh, 100%. And look, we, we actually saw recently in the news when we, we, we talked about it, uh, was it was it Yellowtail? We got some some wine that was copied as well. Uh, and, and then the, and the question, if we look at it the other way around, the question is really in, in, in the broader wine industry, the broader market, when the consumer purchases a bottle at $10, $15, how much do they care that it's actually a copy if it tastes close to being just about the same so how much is that traceability really required the, from the a fraud perspective no i think the traceability at the mass market level you know i mean i remember having sold you know lots of bottles to people like tesco's and what have you what really what really got them up at night um was the idea that there might be another case of diethylene glycol in wine you know where sid and doris bonkers sort of sued them for you know, giving them, you know, uh, you know, giving them a, a, a bottle of wine that could hurt. Them. So they're really, really interested about trustability. They want to make, they want, they, they need, when they stand in front of the judge, they want to be able to say, yes, sir, we did, your honor, we did do the due diligence. Yes, we did have the controls in place. And I can tell you, having supplied own label to, to people like Tesco's and other supermarkets and Lidl and all the rest of it is that, you know, they, they're all over your production all over your uh, supply chain. They're all over the quality control. Uh, and so these tools, you know, are as they're being used in food and so on, you know, they're coming to a supermarket near you and, and the customer will never know there. But the whole point is the customer, you know, it should, you know, the whole point is never to make it that sort of thing a pro problem for the customer. Mm -hmm. The customer, what the, the reason why they have confidence in you as a supermarket brand is because every time they grab something and they don't have to worry about it, and that's and you know and so anything that helps to materially increase the traceability and and provenance of that. And 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 this is this is definitely not wine. This is supply chain at large, right? You're buying any kind of product off Amazon. How do you know it's not a cheap Chinese knockoff, right? Other mm -hmm. than the vague trust that you have in Amazon that they'll refund you or, or return it if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately, it's a, there's a broader supply chain kind of a lack of transparency. Yeah, so Am so Am Amazon are highly incentivized to ensure that the that that their supply, you know, is what it says it is. So that mm -hmm. they don't have to have that conversation with me, the customer. Yeah. And that's why oh, yeah, 100%. None, of this, none of this is a and the point about these things, you know, blockchain and NFT is it's it's kind of boring. It should be boring. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's the picks, the shovels, it's the it's the wires and the cables, it's the plumbing, you know, and um, you know, it's not a it's not a fancy new thing that makes your wine taste better. Yeah. yeah, and look, we're also seeing uh, on a, on a sales and marketing front, we're also seeing a bunch of NFTs uh, coming out in the world, wine specifically, uh, around uh, membership to uh, specific clubs. Uh, we're looking at NFTs as tasting tokens type NFTs. Uh, how do you see sort of these applications shaping up well, versus the traceability itself? Okay, there are two things here. Firstly, I think, I mean, we talked a bit about the whole supply chain stuff. And, there's, you know, that's a lot, as I said, there's a lot of wood to chop there. And there's an awful lot of forest we've got to get through, right? 
the more interesting thing I think is the uh, the whole advent of Web 3.0, which is really the kind of the macro thing here. And I think that we're moving to a different world and a different world where, you know, we the, the previous, you know, the iteration of Web 2.0 is all about, you know, the few to the many, you know, it was the, it was, it was the, it was the sort of the, the the discrete information that you know I had that you know I had as the seller that you didn't have as the buyer and you had to kind of work out whether I was screwing you or not. You know, we're now with Web 3.0, there's the opportunity, which obviously everyone, every, you know, lots of participants will try and game, where there's an opportunity for everybody to have a level playing surface. And essentially we move to a world where you know, I don't, as a wine merchant, sort of sell something to you and you buy from me. Essentially, I'm a facilitator in a very incre an increasingly transparent environment where, you know, what I am making out of you will be increasingly apparent to you. As it, and, and, you know, it's quite, it's quite easy to do a bit of Googling now and find out whether, you know, somebody's more expensive and all the rest of it. So, you know, in the end, we'll have to sort of run this cat and mouse game. I think there's an opportunity opening up where, you know, we can start to facilitate the process of making you a time hung, a time poor per wine consumer. You know, we can we can help you to find the things that you want. Um, and we will charge a, a, a fee for that effectively. Um, which you'll be comfortable to pay because it is the it is actually it, it matches the value that we have actually added um you know and the marketplace will kind of sort us out um but essentially it's a you know as i said it's a it's a it's it's a world where um the the consumer has much more control in the way they don't have in the web 2.0 world where you know if it's for free you all the product and and all the rest all that all those cliches that we know um, and that we're constantly being abused by, you know, the the apps that we use every day, as they, you know, they sell it, they, you know, they abuse our data and sell us things we don't want to buy at prices we shouldn't pay, and make us try and believe things that are nonsense and all the rest of it. You know, this is that Web three point zero, you know, has, and I, and I, you know, I'm very, I'm slightly skeptical, but I think that, you know, but I'm also optimistic. I think there's, you know, it's it's going to take. It's not a it's not a done deal, but I think that we have an opportunity to to create an environment which is much more um, much more yeah, democratic. Oh, yeah. And I think and also just, that we have a share of value. And I think that when you look at smart contracts and all the other things, there's a there's a much greater opportunity to to actually share the benefits of the value that is added. And you know, and I think also the idea that your customer also adds value as well as you do. So it's not mm. a kind of a seller gets all. You know, it's a very interesting opportunity and you know i've always said that you know i've had private companies and i've had some outshared shareholders but i've always thought you know the best customer the best shareholder i could ever have is my customer because essentially if you know if he's got a share in my business and i and, and i add inadvertently overcharge him he'll get it dividended back <laughs> <laughs> so in a way you know and as long as and then you know, and and you know, and and he would all, and they will also be comfortable that we're making enough money to incentivize us to do the work they don't want to do. You know, that's a really joint, that's a really grown-up conversation, and I think that's the kind of conversation I'm very keen to try oh, yeah. and yeah. instill into our business. Um, but you know, I do think it's going to take time. Um, I think we can set out the principles of it. But the tools to do that are kind of, you know, they're tantalizingly close, but also practically quite yeah. And look, I think I think one, one, one aspect that we're trying to disseminate is really, it will take time. Technology will need to mature. We might lend ourselves with different chains, different NFTs, different application of the technology. The question today for the average winemaker, the question today for the average wine consumer is whether or do I need to jump on this? Is that is that fucking groundbreaking right now, or is that something that I'll just wait and the industry will adapt? Or I think you know, there's there, there's yeah. there's the bit in the middle too, Seb, which you're 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 conveniently skipping over in your in your sort of um, kind of play between the producer and the consumer, but perhaps inadvertently you've sort of hit upon something here as well. I'd be really interested to know what you think about this, Simon. I was speaking to a um, 
a, a chief executive of a global auction business recently, whose view is that in time, the current landscape and the connectivity that's going to um, take root between the producer and the consumer will make the retailer channel redundant. Totally agree. So you're... Totally agree. I mean, my view is that, I mean, the reason I'm focusing on the secondary market is because, I mean, that's what crew does. It's basically a marketplace of old wine, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, secondhand wine, basically. And that's because I think the primary market is, it should be a, a conversation between consumers and producers. Um, and I don't, and it's not clear to me, you know, when I started the Bendham, you know, frankly, you know, we did two things which added value. We had expertise and people, and then, you know, and actually most wine didn't taste good. So you kind of did need somebody to help you. And we sorted out all the logistics. Well, the dirty truth is, was there, it was true then and is true today is that actually the wine merchants are crap at logistics. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really earn our keep doing that. And the reality today is also that the, the expertise we had um, is now in your pocket. And it's not in and the difference between our expertise and the, the one in your pocket, your, your smartphone, is that um, the smartphone's not biased. I mean, if I say you should buy Chateau Kiss Me Quick, it's, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this because, is he trying to make a problem he's got mine? <laughs> or is he really selling me something that I ought to be buying? You know, so, you know, it's, a, it's it, it, we've, you know, with the world as, the world has changed dramatically since since those days. Have you have you seen in your experience? Have you seen any wine blockchain um, that seems to sort of like be gaining any sort of momentum at large? Or I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, people talk a lot, but there's you know there's that. I mean, if you look on OpenSea, there's there's. I mean, it's there's you know you can't. I mean, it's tumbleweed. So yeah. um, you know, I think I've you know my guess is no because. The, the reality is that until you start until you start moving boxes about because of you know in the in the aftermath of nfts being minted um you won't find out how difficult this is and we've done the kind of work to to look at that and we kind of go oh. this is beyond difficult mm -hmm. um yeah. you know and um the reality is we don't have a back end to it yet mm -hmm. um you know so i i, I think this is you know, and, and I think that, you know, we just have to, I think the best thing the wine trade can do is to, I think that, you know, what we're focused on really is the, you know, is actually, f is the new relationship that we need to start to evolve between, in you know, in the value chain of wine. And I think it is, there's a massive existential crisis that, that needs to be understood in the middle, in the intermediary part. <laughs> You know, at the end, there are only two. There are only two parts of the value chain that really have any long-term enduring credibility, and that's the the producer and the consumer. You know, everything in the end, everything in the middle, either shouldn't be there, or or it needs to facilitate something that the two other ends don't want to do or can't. And I think that's that re-examination is a process which is what we should be focusing on. And you know, any given sort of shiny new toy that comes up, um, you know. We, we ought to resist the temptation to turn it into a solution because it's it's basically putting a bloody great big band over band-aid over something that just doesn't work to try and pretend that somehow it's now all easy mm -hmm. and you can buy your nft from um or whoever and suddenly you've you've got a, a value-added product you know but as you as nick says you can't even find He's never been even given a key to the damn thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know what I know. I know what I want to see happen. You know, I, I am interested in that relationship with the producer. I am interested in, you know, him, him inviting me round for a tasting when I pulled six corks out of the bottle, and that's been up. You know, my NFT status has been updated accordingly. For example, yes. Um, but but uh, I think I think it you know I think the question about the distribution channels in the middle and how they add value is a very is a very interesting and pertinent one and maybe it's going to take a few you know maybe it's going to take five or ten plus years to to play out but but you know where does that where does that leave someone like crew? I think so, I think exactly and I think the I think the um you know the the, the future where a producer has a residual interest in his product. Yeah. And, and has a connected relationship which can evolve over time 
you know, that's that's basically facilitated by a smart contract, I think is extremely interesting. Um, and, you know, and I think it's it, it absolutely does. You know, it, in the end, it, it really I mean, it, and it will it will decimate a lot of the 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 middlemen, you know, and, and, men like ourselves. And I think it's so we have to you know, we we have to be very agile because um, and we need to understand, you know, how this world's going to unravel. And we need to make sure that, you know, that we have a place there. I think that um, within fine wine, I mean, the you know, as I've said to you before, Nick, you know, I mean, the the reality, there is some really interesting structural stuff, which which is kind of, you know, gives some kind of credence, the idea there's a future for sort of intermediaries and that is that you know there is there is real scarcity the reality is that we have you know in the 50 years i've been in the wine trade that you know the fact of the matter is you know the the big difference today from when i started is the rest of the world got rich but (laughs) chateau margot doesn't make any more wine and price is the intersection of supply and demand so it's not surprising that prices go up but it's also it's not surprising that you can't get a bottle of lupin even if you want to pay the whatever it is you know, for yeah, it, you know, so actually scarcity is a big thing that, you know, in in like a lot of collectibles that, you know, there is a whole world of trying to help curate that and to aggregate that and to, you know, so and a lot of that, you know, and things like NFTs and all the rest and blockchain and so on will help facilitate that in the future. But I think fundamentally the fun that the, the world is moving to a much more sort of direct uh, marketplace between producers and consumers of whatever and wine yeah. is getting no yeah. exception and you know to us to sort of to produce you know like we all do in the fine wine trade you know Tet and Joe will come out with a new vintage of Conte Champagne we'll all come out at eight o'clock on Monday morning with the same wine at the same price you know 15% more expensive than Hatch Mansfield sold it or wherever it is that I can't remember who's the merchant mer- <laughs> that you know sold it to us for and um but what value do we really add here? And look, I, I would suggest you're 100% correct when you say that the relationship between the producer and the consumer is where technology is actually going to change things massively. Uh, it is not just wine specific. It is supply chain at large, food and beverages, really even, even more than that. Uh, I, I've started using in the number of conversation, instead of talking about direct to consumers, which really puts the onus on the producer to do a whole lot of work to get to consumers. I've started talking about direct from producers because I think the market moving forward, that market of traceability will be created by the consumer who actually wants to get some of that transparency. Not every consumer cares, but there is a number of consumers who would prefer to buy a bottle of wine because it's been fair traded, because it's carbon neutral, because it can be traced through the chain, as opposed to saying to the producer, yeah, you need to have an NFT on your bottle. You need to, we need the consumers to increasingly demand that for the industry to change and adapt. So a consumer would buy a bottle at Tesco more than another one because it has had and NFT attached to it and can be traced. Um, so direct from producer, I think, is is where things are at. I want to go back to the the sale of the champagne because we talked a lot about the supply chain, which is great. But yeah, yeah. one of the things I thought was interesting about this type of use of NFT is that it's essentially art. Um, Laurie, you know, what is this relationship? So so th- this is the board. It's a board ape mutant, and mm-hmm. it's it's an NFT, and it's now art. I mean, NFT art sells for millions of euros, and it's somehow fusing wine with art. What what is that relationship? How is that an interesting thing going forward? I think I think it has potential. I think it's still. I mean, I don't want to attract like board apes um, <laughs> people like onto me, uh, but it's still a bit like gimmicky at this level too, right? Like it's really like very much like a FOMO um, approach. I do think there is like, it's interesting how the two are combined and how I'm not thinking it's democratizing the wine, but what I find fascinating, I look in a couple of like NFTs and wine and it's always using like the coolest graffiti artist in New York to sell the most 
traditional like you know like red wine bottle like of an expensive vintage so bringing the art or the cool kids artist doing the art I think it's like this kind of like possibility to reinvent a bit like the wine industry or how it presents itself and I think that's why it can also come across like so gimmicky it's like okay are we again no offense to a bottle of champagne but are we putting like you know what is the expression in English like lipstick on a pig you know like it's just like are we masking some things so I mean that's a bit that worry sometimes when the NFT goes overtly marketing um you know are you hiding something else or just like something you're just setting the air NFT is also so hard to understand because there's so much um I mean the way actually Simon explained it I get it way better now but like you know in the the zeitgeist, zeitgeist like it's very like oh it's cool it's trendy but it's also is it attached to bitcoin like oh is it, like you know like, so it's just like um that's just interesting to me how they just combine art to make it a different product altogether and what is the one over the other like at the end of the day with the 2.5 million i know we can't separate it but is it 2.2 million for the ape and 300k for the wine or vice versa like you know like it's just I'm wondering if the buyer is dividing the value as well and what is uh, actually purchasing. Is it the wine at the end of the day? In uh, that particular case, I don't think so. But. Uh, you'll be, you'll, you won't be surprised now I've got an opinion about this. <laughs> <laughs> My view is that the, the, the re what's happening here is that, you know, a lot of these people getting rich in the last 50 years is that what you've, you know, the prices have been bid up through scarcity. And wine has joined the ranks of those, you know, those sort of those um, indicators of status. And but there's no correlation between that and an understanding of the intrinsic values of the wine. So actually, you, they need other things which make it easier for them to. Yeah. So actually, if you've got a. You know, if you've got a if you've got a Jay Z bottle, I, don't, I presume he was one of the ones that did one. But you know, oh, you've got a you know Damon Hirst or you whatever, or you've just got some bored eight pixelated thingy. You know that you know you can basically focus on something where you feel more comfortable. You know, I've got this rare thing that's cost two point five million. That's all you need to know. And the thing that we need to understand about fine wine for you know for people who are buying it because it's expensive is it has enormously unique utility in that, you know, you, the, what you can do is when your friends come around, you can, you can take this 10,000 million pound bottle of wine and you can pull the cork and pour it into glasses. And without saying anything, what you've told your friends you can do is you can, you can pour that amount of money out forever. Oh, yeah. Whereas the, you, can you can resell the Picasso, you can lease the Ferrari, and the you know all the rest of it so you know the utility of fighting and when wine gets to a certain level of price you know it's often you know it's those it needs those sort of things because actually it's not about the it's not yeah. nobody gives a toss about the terroir and the, <laughs> the, the struggling you know uh ouvrier and his shea and all the, you know that what they're interested in is what it says about them and that is a it's it's interesting uh from a commercial point of view but it's potentially there's a cost because um, if you if you detach the interest in the product from its 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 intrinsic characteristics, of, you know, eventually, you know, it'll it'll be an emperor with no clothes. And it, it looks. I think Simon made a point earlier on as well that the NFT, the blockchain, these are really just technologies, not the product. No, they're not. Uh, and ultimately, the, the 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 champagne bottle coming in with an NFT attached. Look, there's plenty of hype around NFT at the moment, so it might have helped in selling that bottle for a certain exorbitant price, right? Uh, but ultimately, the the technology is not what we should be selling. The technology should be supporting a need in the industry far more than just oh yeah, here's an NFT. The the challenge, David, to come back onto the the world of art is that there's a lot of, of chains, NFT chains in the world of art who are starting to really trace and also share future value with the artist. Sure, that's interesting. So in this case here, which could be quite interesting is that this two and a half million dollar bottle of wine that was sold, how much is the winemaker getting off that transaction? 
right now it's absolutely zero. The winemaker, the producers are getting jack shit out of the future value of something that they've they've poured their sweat and tears in, not literally. Uh, and um, and that's where I think ultimately right now the concept of NFT is is broadly really just hype, but the underlying technology, as many have identified, is deeply fascinating and could have a true application uh, to the world of wine. Again, the consumer needs to create that market. The consumer needs to say, actually, you know what? There's only a hundred of those NFTs or a hundred of those bottles left. I'm prepared to pay fifty grand, and there's a transparent public chain available for it but also if you as a producer you know if your wine you know sells for a thousand you know eventually in the secondary market over time after 10 years sells at a, you know you you sold it for 100 and it sells for a thousand or something you know you increasingly think god i better put my prices up because too many people are making money out of me whereas actually if you were if you had a residual interest over time then you might be incentivized to to to, to make the, the product, your, your wine attractive at, at the initial release price, you know, because suddenly, you know, your, your interest is becoming aligned with the marketplace and vice versa. Yeah. And that creates a much more, and again, this kind of, you have a marketplace over with time that, um, you know, allows for the proper alloc the proper appropriation allocation, proper of, value. Allocation, allocation of value, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you share risk. So if, if this is such a great bottle of wine, well, you know, then let's all share in, you know, in, 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 you know, in, in that outcome, whatever it might be, whether it might be disappointing or terribly exciting. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely something that I noted that's to me very exciting is this idea of sure. royalty. I know it's not the proper term, but you know, like the idea of it stays through the same. Like, and, and, and that goes back a bit to what you were saying, then mentioning that, um, you know, like the, the integrity of the code all the way throughout like you have winners all the way if if it manages to go back all the way to the producer sure. like if they, people are incentivized transparency there and you should encourage that like you mentioned simon like a better yeah. product because we're yeah so that's to me like literally it was like i'm glad we're touching on that because i'm like i wanted to talk about that like this idea mm. of royalty mm. of wine built in um especially for fine wine i think that's to me also something i'm really curious on how it's going to evolve and how it's going to be also adopted i'm speaking from a designer point of view some yeah. very famous graphic designers brand designers they actually get paid very little on the onset yeah. but they right away negotiate a royalty is like i'm only going to charge 30 percent than what i would charge but then every bottle of that rum that i design i'll get royalty 100 yeah. yeah so which but, but i gotta tell you like it's it's not well yet received, or like you know, like so. It's just like it's also like the technology needs to be there, but I'm also curious how like the the market and and all the, the journey people, exactly. We need to shift mentalities, mentalities completely. We need to change yeah, yeah. mentalities, yeah. and it, look, it's it's an approach which Trolley has has taken pretty much since day one. Uh, we connect to a number of different sales channels, uh, and we're trying really hard not to have the producers to pay to be on that sales channel. Right, we really want the producers to pay when there is a sale by the sales channel, um, and so there's no warehousing, there's nothing in the middle. We really need for everyone to benefit in the chain when there is a sale, when the consumer says, "Actually, yes, I'm buying," uh, and which basically means that any everyone in the chain is incentivized for really trying to make the product and market the product and present the product in a way that's going to fetch the absolute best value given everyone benefits in the chain and oh, look it's a fascinating topic and i guess you know i guess i guess this whole conversation does beg the question what is the market yeah what are the mechanisms and if the if the producer is aligned with the consumer in taking a percentage of downstream value who else currently within the chain isn't going to get part of the downstream value anymore it's look, I think ultimately it's really all about value add. And the challenge is there are players today in the chain who will basically say, okay, I'm going to buy this product. I'm going to double the value and sell it. And they don't even hold the product. They just take title of the product. They don't do any work as part of it. Uh, and so if there's no true value being added, 
then these people will really just be removed from the chain completely. But at the same time, any value add is going to remain. And if we look at our chinery and lorry and the the value of a quality label and quality imagery, I think it's clear that if the wineries are presenting something fairly schmick and fairly well put together, it's clear that you're going to get a better value than in their $2.99 kind of a label. but right now, there is no incentive for Lori to do an absolutely outstanding job because all she's getting, all our China is getting is an upfront payment. And that's where ultimately, if you were able to prove that a good label sells 10, 15, 20% better, uh, then there's value being added. And these, these players will remain. Um, and look, just to, just to round up, I think, there is a huge applicability into fine wine, correct. There is, I think, a huge applicability to very, very small production wines, the below 5,000 kind of cases, which is 90, 94, 95% of producers, because these guys, when consumers discover them, they want to retain a relationship. The challenge is going to be in the middle. How are these guys kind of moving? Are they going to move towards more direct or is the chain going to try and add value to the product? Jonathan, do you want to jump in here? Uh, you've been very quiet. Um, <laughs> do you have any thoughts, uh, questions? And, he's, and just, he's just worried that his kids are going to be drinking very soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, and usually quiet. No, it's been a fascinating discussion. Um, and I think a lot of other people were asking questions that I was, uh, that I was interested in. Um, I do find the novel, like the novel concept of the downstream value. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that's how it can also work with football clubs. Like when players get traded, the original uh, feeder clubs get uh, a a percent of the downstream, a cut of the downstream transaction as well. So, I mean, there are, there are examples. um, There are other examples out there of where somebody who creates to producing a great product um, benefits down the line. I think the football clubs, obviously, football obviously has a built-in control mechanism. The people worth a lot are put up on the television screen. So, you know, when a trade happened and you can go and recoup that money that you're owed, it's a little bit less, a little bit more difficult to track when that, um, when that bottle got sold and, and who then needs to feed it back up. But that's again, where the, where the blockchain uh, can help um, when there's a critical mass passing through those 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 gates. Um, I think from a from also coming from our from our work in events, I think you know it, it's interesting to also contemplate you know whether things where where else can this can be used outside of the monetary side, um, but also on the experiential and um, and uh, gamification. Um, even that you know you're potentially able to use this to you know quote unquote program your wine um so that when you go places and scan it then you know it's not just that one app that's able to access information in the wine um and pull back information but you know potentially it's it's information that's available very easy for for others to use as as well and create really interesting experiences um i don't know if you're seeing if you see any of that society, like any other any other use cases and find one besides just trying to track, trying to associate value with the wine or, or, or ownership? Are there other things that you, that, that you see in fine wine or as gamification, something that's more, more for the commercial end of the spectrum? Are you asking me or? Yeah. Yes. I, I think, well, I think that the, um, in my fundamentally, the thing that, you know, the kind of the, the terra firma here is, um, the facilitation you know the kind of boring stuff mm-hmm. um how but the but the uh, uh, over and above that in a, in a much more sort of added value area i think you know uh, the facilitation in, implies a very different kind of relationship and therefore the there's a lot of talk now uh about community you know and i think community is a very different way of looking at the relationship mm-hmm. people have you know, from people who produce things and people who 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 consume them, you know, in in its in its broadest sense. And I think uh, um, this and the community and the community, it's you know becomes the kind of the, the the basis on which you build, you know, stronger, more enduring relationships. Um, it's about trust. It's about um, you know 
the hive mind. It's about, um, it's actually also, can, you know, I think it can be, go as far as, you know, creating a community around a producer that not only, um, you know, has, you know, maybe facilitated by blockchain and, and NFTs has a, a, a much sort of richer, more, you know, long-term relationship with the case of wine they bought, but actually it may also facilitate them um, financing the producer. And it may be that they almost become, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of un unformally aggregated ecosystems, you know, so he doesn't have to, so the farmer doesn't have to be beaten up by the bank. And also he doesn't have to, you know, and actually if he, if, if he's got, um, you know, if he's selling 5,000 cases and he's got 5,000 customers, um, he doesn't have to speculate about his, his production. So he, it's actually much more cost effective. He actually knows how many cases he's going to sell. He knows when he's going to sell. I mean, he knows when the money's going to come in. And it may be the money's already coming in terms of a kind of a subscription. Um, you know, so it facilitates a very different kind of relationship where, you know, the, the blurring between the two ends of the value chain and the integration of the two, the polarization of the two, um, creates a much richer experience all around. Um, and um, so I think, but I think we need, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of, you know, and, and actually, you know, when it comes to new product development, it comes to sort of expansion of a producer or their brands and so on. You know, that con that intimate conversation they have with their customers um, takes a lot of risk out of it. And also, you know, it, in, it empowers, um, you know, people like Laurie to, to actually to, you know, I mean, they always say there's no such thing as a bad design. There's just a bad brief. And the problem is one of the reasons that briefs are so rubbish is because it's extremely difficult to work out what I want as a producer and also what my customer wants. You know, and I kind of want what my customer will pay most for is really what I want to say as a producer. <laughs> but you know, my really, I've, got no reliable, I've got no reliable conversation with my customer to actually find out what that is. And, you know, so that, you know, there's a much richer sort of, you know, community relationship that actually empowers the process to, to get, you know, better product, more appropriate, more better market fit. You know, with more sort of certainty of of being an enduring value to to all participants, and a much richer, you know, you know, whereas you too often you leave, uh, you know, a wine shop or a or the checkout online with something you don't really know if it's what you wanted, and you don't know whether you've got the, whether you be, whether you bought the right price, and when you open it, you're not really sure what you've, you know, and you don't really know anything about it, and you know, it's a, it's a it's a you know, it's a slightly unsatisfactory experience. And, um, you know, so the future on that added value side is enormously interesting. But I mean, I think the fundamental thing we've got to do is to get the nuts and bolts right. And I think, you know, what, I mean, the sort of thing that Nick does, you know, in the, you know, the, you know, building warehouse software and tools for traders and so on, which, which, you know, those traders could just as well you know, have their their seats be sat in by producers, and you know, um, you know, over time, you know that, or a mixture of the two, yeah. you know, all the rest of it. You know, the fact is, you're you're building the tools by which we can better network this. Ecosystem. And coming coming from from technologists, I think getting the the, the nuts and bolts right is the easy bit. The hard mm. bit is really to get broad wide adoption from an industry which is hugely fragmented again wine but also food and beverages at large is massively fragmented uh, and getting the actual chain getting the actual underlying technology that's actually a piece of cake it's actually uh -huh. really easy in the scheme of trying no, to no, no, no. I broadly think so, roll that out then, i would absolutely i would really take issue with that i think the fundamental and we've had ever since I got into the wine trade and certainly for centuries before it is that we've never taken the back end seriously and that's why we've never had the front end that we needed and the fact is all the things no, you're talking no, about no. are incredibly interesting complex, but the fact of the matter is the basic nuts and bolts of this business are so bad and one of the reasons is that nobody in the trade is interested correct but the they whole point is that when you're talking about back end and front end this is a product contributing to the chain and ultimately the chain needs to be contrib contributed to by different products so there needs to be a product for warehousing there needs to be a product for retail there's likely to be multiple products all contributing to a transparent chain 
right? And so the actual underlying blockchain style technology underneath the thing to actually record transactions and certify traceability, that piece is easy. It's not easy. The challenge, the challenge is to get products that people and companies and, and real people use every day, products to contribute to that you, chain and sorry, create transactions on that chain. When you say product, you're talking about things like, you know, An uh, app. ERP systems, or you're talking Correct. about content. Yeah. Correct. No, no, well, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the so answer getting is you never, you never can, exist. You never computerize a movement. You never computerize a moving target. The fact of the matter is no one's done the joined up thinking and making the basic simple process of Correct. moving a case of wine from the producer's Correct. door to the consumer's door and when all the bits in between. Nobody's got that done. Correct. Done and so the there. creation of the chain is easy. The challenge is really to get not one front end and back end, but 500 across the chain, across the world to really contribute to that one chain. Otherwise, the risk is that we're going to end up having different chains with different apps, with different values, and, and that's good, just going to be hype again. So yeah, look, there's, I mean, look, we could, be, we could go on for hours, I think. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we should wrap it up. Um, I'd like to thank Simon for spending the time with us diving into NFTs. It's really been an thank interesting uh, conversation. And of course, I'd like to thank our insiders, Nick, Laurie, Seb, and Jonathan. Um, we will see you all um, sometime again this summer um, <laughs> and then uh, with a regular scheduled uh, uh, podcast uh, coming uh, starting in September. Thanks again Thank and uh, see you in a few weeks. Thanks again, Simon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Simon. Thanks. Thanks.